Thank you for listening to the New Life Church podcast. If you need any information about our church or if you'd like to give online, please visit us at newlifekingman.com. Will you give the Lord a big hand tonight? Just thank Him, worship Him. Praise God. Thank you, worship team. Say Jesus. Uh, t- tonight, <clears throat> my, the introduction for this message is going to be a little longer than what I usually do in an introduction, uh, and it really is kind of an add-on <clears throat> to what I'm going to be talking about in the remainder of the message. So, <clears throat> something that I have been stirred about for, uh, well, since I got saved, but really I've been thinking about more and more in the last uh, months is the need for you and I to live with an expectation of Jesus' coming. So tonight's sermon isn't all about Jesus' return, but I feel it's important enough to introduce what I'm going to preach by talking about it some. I Uh, The the message of Christ's return has been downplayed by some because I think partly uh, for almost 2,000 years uh, uh, that has passed since Jesus said, I am coming quickly three times in Revelation 22. The end of the Bible, last chapter of the Bible, Jesus three times says, I'm coming quickly. And here we are, almost 2,000 years later. So, obviously, his idea of quickly and ours is considerably different. But having said that, it's also abundantly clear that he means for us as his people to live with a constant, vigilant watchfulness and expectation that he could come at any time. If this were not true, then it wouldn't be such a prominent message throughout the New Testament. And it really is. If you go through uh, from Matthew all the way through Revelation, this message about Jesus coming again is spoken of again and again. Jesus talked about his second coming uh, through the Gospels a lot. From the beginning of the book of Acts through Revelation, all of the writers uh, spoke of Jesus' coming again a lot. Say a lot. Immediately after Jesus ascended up into heaven... The apostles are there, and this is in Acts chapter 1. The apostles watched him as he ascended. He floated up in front of them. And he gave them some parting words, and then he he goes. And we see them as he goes up to heaven. They're looking up. I think that if we had been there, we probably would have been doing the same thing. Is he going to come back down again, like now? And, and so they're looking up, and two angels appeared to them, 
and said these words in verse 11 of Acts chapter 1. Men of Galilee, why do you stand gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will so come in like manner as you saw him go into heaven. So they were telling him them that uh, Jesus, uh, as he had gone into heaven, he is going to come back again. And so they looked with anticipation of him coming back. Even though 2,000 years has passed, you and I as his people are still meant to live with an anticipation of his return. Philippians 3 verse 20 says, but we are citizens of heaven where the Lord Jesus Christ lives and we are eagerly waiting for him to return as our Savior. And everybody said, Amen. In James chapter 5, verse 7 and 8, it says, Therefore, be patient, brethren, until the coming of the Lord. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth, waiting patiently for it until it receives the early and the latter rain. You also be patient. Establish your hearts, for the coming of the Lord is at hand. Now, if they were looking with this anticipation, then it must be important for you and I to do the same today. Now, some people are of the opinion that if we are looking with anticipation of Jesus coming, that we may neglect uh, uh, doing the work He told us to do before He came or comes in the in the. 60s and the 70s, uh, uh, during the uh, Jesus People movement and, and the Charismatic movement, there were those I heard of that charged up their credit cards because they were so sure Jesus was coming so quickly, and their line was something like, you know, we'll let the Antichrist pay it off. That was dumb. Now, I don't know if this is true, but I heard that there were those who actually got up on the rooftops waiting for Jesus to come back again because they were so sure. Now, I don't know. Well, I guess the mentality there was uh, that they might bump their heads on the ceiling on the way up or something like that. I, I don't know, but it was kind of dumb. Uh, and so uh, there have been people that have done dumb stuff like that, no doubt, throughout the years, but it doesn't detract from the importance of us living with the expectation that Jesus could come at any time. Not if we believe the Bible. And I think that if we really believe that He is coming at any time, then we will want to be doing what we ought to do if he came right then, right? And I, I also think that we would like to be preparing others so that they can make it when he does come, right? The message of Jesus' coming is one of our biggest hopes. Titus 2 verse 13 says, Looking for the blessed hope and glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Now, there are so many weird things going on today and so many things that look 
hopeless, uh, things that, that uh, just seem so uh, weird, strange, uh, unsettling, unsure. And so for us as God's people, we need a hope. And we do have a hope. Our hope is not in this world. Can you say, I believe that? We have a hope that is literally out of this world, and that hope is Jesus' is coming. And that is our hope. It also gives us comfort. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, it's one of the great places in, in the New Testament that's, that speaks of the rapture and of Jesus coming again. And at the end of that portion of Scripture where Paul is writing, says, For the Lord himself shall return from heaven with a shout. And he goes on and talks about the rapture. He ends that portion uh, of Scripture by speaking in verse 18, therefore, comfort one another with these words. And so, the message that Jesus could come at any time is to bring us comfort. We need some comfort. We need hope, and we need comfort, don't we? Now, the word that's used here for comfort uh, is not just like a, a, a pat on the back, you know, oh, it's going to be okay. It implies strength. And so one of the great strengths we have as God's people is knowing that Jesus is coming. This isn't all there is. Jesus is coming. And so we need an eternal perspective, don't we? This is, can be hard for us because all we've ever known is time, right? We measure our lives in, in years and months and days and hours and minutes and in seconds. It's all we've ever known. But the day is coming when we will live outside of time, in eternity, forever. And we need that eternal perspective. And that is, this world is not all there is. The, the time that we have known is not even close to what will always be. We have an eternal something that we are looking for, and that is an eternal home with Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. And so, that was really just kind of the extra, extra read all about it. Jesus is coming. Introduction. And so now, what I want you to do is say, we got it. Thank you. Then I'll move along to our real text tonight, which is in Revelation 19 and verse 11. This portion of Scripture does give us a glimpse into the end of days as we know it. And we are given a glimpse of Jesus coming on a white horse uh, with the armies of heaven uh, to the battle of Armageddon. In Revelation 19, he is called, Jesus is called King of Kings and Lord of Lords. He is also called the Word of God. But in verse 11, he is called something that I want to focus on tonight. And it says in Revelation 19, verse 11, Now I saw heaven opened, and behold, a white horse. 
And he who sat on him was called faithful and true. Jesus is faithful and true. When all is said and done, when God is wrapping up everything that he is doing on earth and in our lives, when we are entering into eternity and look back at all that he has done in our lives, then you and I will say Jesus was and is faithful and true. Man, I get a rush on that. Thank God, that's, that's, that's good. Because he is faithful and true. Now, I want to bring you a definition of this word that's here, faithful. And I uh, don't like usually to give long definitions of words because you and I are, we just have a short attention span. And so I've noticed it with myself and others as well, not to mean or to point out anybody, but that if you sometimes read long definitions, we can kind of space out, zone out. But this word faithful means so many good things, I'm going to give you a long definition of it in the hopes that you don't space out, zone out, or check out, okay? And so I am going to break it up into three different portions uh, to try to keep our attention span. Say okay. Thank you. As, as I'm reading this, I want you to remember this is who Jesus is. Faithful is the Greek word imuna, amuna, and Strong's Greek Dictionary says that it means firmness, stability, fidelity, conscientiousness, steadiness, certainty, that which is permanent, enduring, steadfast. Now, one of the words that, that, that caught my attention in this part of the definition of faithfulness was the word fidelity. When I was a kid, and if we got a, a really good stereo, it was called a hi-fi. It meant high fidelity, or, or that the sound was highly accurate or true. High fidelity. Now, a lot of you probably never even heard of hi-fi. Hi-fi was before Wi-Fi. High fidelity was something that we knew about before we had even ever heard of Wi-Fi or wireless fidelity. Listen, Jesus is hi-fi. He is high fidelity. Everything that he said and did gives us an accurate and true account of who God is and what God does because Jesus is God revealed in the flesh. Now tell yourself, Jesus is hi-fi. That's right. He's high fidelity. He is faithful and true. Faithful also 
means in uh, emona, the word, the Greek word, faithful, comes from the root aman, which means to be firm, sure, established, and steady. We get our word amen from it, which means it is firmly or truly so. So when you say amen, what you're saying is uh, it is firmly and truly so. And somebody said, Jesus is firm, sure, established, and settled, steady. Thank God for that because there are so many things in our lives and in the world that are not steady, that are shaky, and that that bug us. Isn't that right? We have to know that in the midst of the shakiness and unsettled nature of what is our lives sometimes here and in the world in general, uh, that we have someone who is firm and sure and established and steady. Jesus is steady. Say, Jesus is steady. He doesn't get shaken. He never gets unraveled. He never gets nervous. He is established. He is sure. He is steady. And He lives within us through the person of the Holy Spirit. Somebody say, I'm steady. Because Jesus is faithful. Isn't that good? Faithful occurs some 49 times in the Bible, and it is often translated as truth. As the truth is considered something ultimately certain, stable, and unchangeably fixed. Listen, Jesus is ultimately certain and unchangeably fixed. This means that we can count on Him to remain the same. Aren't you glad for that? Uh, He doesn't change His mind from one day to another about who He is, about what He does, or what He thinks about us. We can know that He loves us and His love will remain uh, for us because uh, He's faithful. He doesn't change. He is unchangeable. And that's why Hebrews 13 verse 8 says, Jesus Christ the same yesterday, today, and forever. You know why? Because He is faithful. Now, it says that he's coming and his name is faithful and true. And I looked up the definition of the word true and it was a much shorter definition. It's only three words. There were four words that were there. It means literally sincere, true, true one. I like that. Jesus is faithful. He's unchangeably certain. He is ultimately certain and he is true. He is the true one. I like that a lot, especially in the days that we're living in. I am so tired of being lied to by the media and certain entities. Aren't you? Now, our ability to trust the media and other entities has taken a serious hit recently. But we can know this about Jesus. He is true. 
what he says he means, what he says he will do. And I want you to say this with me tonight. Jesus is faithful and true. He is, isn't he? Now, there are two things that I just want to touch on briefly before we pray and, and we go on our way tonight uh, about Jesus being faithful and true. And the first of these is, He is faithful and true to His Word and promises. In 2 Corinthians 1 verse 20, it says, For all the promises of God in Him are yes, and in Him amen. It is firmly, truly so to the glory of God through us. Now, I know this can sound kind of simplistic, but it's so important. We can absolutely trust in His promises that He made to us in His Word because they are ultimately certain because He's faithful. Now, I looked up in, and I Googled how many promises there are in the Bible. And one guy said there were 3,573 promises. That's a lot, isn't it? Another guy said there were 8,810. I remember reading years ago in a Christian book that said that there were over 30,000 promises in God's Word. Now, whether it is 3,573, 8,810, or over 30,000, I can tell you this, there's a promise to cover whatever need we have in our lives. And we can be ultimately certain uh, that He will fulfill them because He is faithful. Isaiah 55 and verse 11 says, So is my word that goes forth out of my mouth. It will not return to me empty, but it will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent it. It will accomplish what he has said and achieve the purpose that he has for which he sent it because Jesus is faithful and true. We have promises all through the Bible. The one that we have the promise uh, and, and probably most important for us uh, is that He will forgive all of our sins. Say, all my sin is forgiven through Jesus. 1 John 1 verse 9 says, if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That is a wonderful promise. And we can be ultimately certain that He forgives us from everything. Why? Because it says He is faithful. He is faithful. He is true to His Word that He will forgive us. And why should you and I live in condemnation for some sin in the past when He has certainly forgiven it? We can be assured that we're forgiven for everything. Say everything. We, can, we have a promise that He will heal us uh, of, of, of all of our sicknesses and diseases. In Isaiah 53, verse 4 and 5, and this is in the Amplified Version, it says, Surely, now say that to yourself, surely, He has borne our griefs, 
sicknesses, weaknesses, and diseases, carried our sorrows and pains of punishment, yet we ignorantly considered him stricken, smitten, and afflicted by God as if with leprosy, but he was wounded for our transgressions, he was bruised for our guilt and iniquity, the chastisement needful to obtain peace and well-being for us was upon him, and with his stripes that wounded him, we are healed and made whole. And so we can depend on this. I don't understand everything there is to know about healing. No one does. But I do understand this, that we have a promise in His Word that He is good for. He is faithful and true. And therefore, you and I can depend on that promise. We can claim that promise. Something that may seem to have continued on for a while, we can lean on. We can hold to that promise of healing over our experience because His Word is true and He is faithful. We have promises that He will meet our needs. In Philippians 4 verse 19, it says, And my God shall supply all your need according to His riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Jesus is faithful and true to His Word and the promises that He has made to us. Now tell yourself, I'm ultimately certain of it. That's pretty weak, but that's all right. You're getting there. The second thing that I want to look at is that Jesus is faithful to complete His work in us. Now this is really good. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 23 and 24, it says, Now may the God of peace Himself sanctify you completely, And may your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. He who calls you is faithful, who also will do it. Now, in our opening text, that one, our main text, Revelation 19, verse 11, we are given the picture of Jesus coming back on a white horse, and His name is faithful and true. But in 1 Thessalonians 5, here in this portion of Scripture, we are given the additional picture of us when He returns, and listen to this, our whole spirit, soul, and body will be preserved blameless because of His faithfulness. And what this means to us is we're going to make it. Thank God. Uh, And the reason we're going to make it isn't because we're so slick, but because He is faithful. Now, Last, uh, last Friday morning, I had an experience in prayer that was uh, different. It was just, you know, and I think all of us have different times where we're in prayer and different things happen. And this was, this was one of those times where it was different from my normal uh, devotional time. And I was in prayer, and while I was praying, I got to thinking about all that God had done in my life from the time that I got saved. And so what I did is I spent time thinking about experiences that I have had with God. And this ranges over 46 years, which is a long time. And so I got to thinking about him and how he he brought me 
uh, uh, to himself, how he worked and maneuvered and totally set me up to get me saved and, and experiences that I had with him in those early days after giving my life to him. And then uh, I started thinking about uh, the, uh, the years that I've had in ministry, 42 years, four years after I got saved, I went out to pastor my first church. That's a frightening thing to think of now. It was frightening when I experienced it at that time. But, you know, God was faithful. I got to thinking about uh, what he did in, in that first church in Winslow, Arizona, uh, uh, then going back to Flagstaff as an associate pastor, uh, then going into Sparta, Illinois, following Harry and Joni Hills in Sparta, Illinois, and pastoring that church there, and from there to Rancho Cucamonga, California, from there up to Colorado Springs, Colorado, from there to Nakuru, Kenya, Africa, from there to Chinle, Arizona, and then back to Malawi, Africa, and then uh, 23 years here in Kingman. Spanning decades. And you know, I was thinking about it, and as I was thinking and, and remembering experiences, it was really overwhelming. And it wasn't that in all of those years nothing bad ever happened. I had some bad things happen. I, I got bruised and beat up occasionally from uh, the devil, from other people, uh, from my own mistakes. I carry some scars in my uh, life from, from things that had happened. But as I considered the whole and began to think about what God had done in my life, the overriding truth that I have experienced is that Jesus is faithful and true. He is faithful to complete his work in us. Now, I want you to tell yourself again, I'm going to make it. In Psalm 138, in verse 8, it says, The Lord will perfect that which concerns me. This means to end or to finish, to accomplish, to come to an end, to cease, to perform, and to fulfill. And He's going to do that in us. He's going to complete His work in us. Psalm 138, in verse 8 parallels with the truth in Philippians 1 verse 6, which says, being confident of this very thing, this is our confidence of this very thing. What thing? That he who has begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. He's talking about Jesus coming back again, and we have a confidence and assurance that he who began a good work in us is absolutely going to complete it until and throughout our lives, until he comes back for us again. The idea is that God begins to work in us when we get saved, and that work continues on until it is absolutely and completely done. Now, This will help some of us that get discouraged at times 
with where we are in our growth in God. Anybody besides me ever feel like, you know, you know, I think I should be a little bit further along than I am. I mean, my, my Lord, I've been 46 years in this process, and I ought to be further along. Well, uh, it no doubt is true. I, I probably should be more mature than I. All you have to do is be around me for a little bit to figure out that I haven't arrived. <laughs> now, thank you for not saying this big chorus of, Amen, that's right, we know that. That is firmly, truly so. Thank you for not saying that, but it, it is true. I have not arrived. We have not arrived. Uh, we, but in the midst of our lives, the one who began that good work is going to complete, and we have a confidence, we have an assurance that he's going to finish the work that he started in us. He And this should give us an assurance uh, that he's going to do it and encourage us that if God hasn't given up on us, we shouldn't give up on ourselves either. One last verse. Philippians 2 and verse 13 says, for it is God who works in you, both to will and to do for his good pleasure. You see, tonight, you and I are going to make it because he is faithful and true. We can have a confidence. We can have an assurance in the midst of our lives, in the midst of our mistakes, in the midst of our failures, that he is faithful to his purpose in our lives, and He's going to complete it. And the reason He's going to do it is because He is faithful and true. Now, I want you to say this, Jesus is faithful and true. Amen. Let's bow our heads tonight. We want to pray, and if you're listening to this online or viewing this online, viewing and listening we're going to pray a prayer, and I'd like to pray for those here that maybe you've come to the service and never given your life to Christ. You're viewing or listening online. You've never done this, but tonight you would like to, and I can tell you something, that God is so faithful. He has been, in His faithfulness, He has drawn you to Himself and to this time. Maybe you have fallen away from the Lord for a period of time, and you, you say tonight, I want forgiveness, and I want to come back to Him. I want my sins forgiven, and I'm asking Christ to forgive me afresh tonight. Across this building, no one looking around for a moment, you just slip your hand up in acknowledgement of your need. You say, would you remember me in this prayer for forgiveness before you close the service out? Just lift your hand up where I could see it, just know to include you in this prayer. Across this building, God bless you. Praise God. Amen. Thank you. Amen. Those who are listening online, just, just pray this with me. Let's pray this out loud uh, together tonight. Would you repeat this prayer? Lord Jesus, thank you. You are faithful and true. You have forgiven my sin when you died on the cross. And I ask for that forgiveness tonight. Thank you for paying the price for me. 
I receive you as my Lord and Savior. Thank you for forgiving me in your wonderful name, Jesus. Now, would you give the Lord a big clap offering and thank Him? <laughs> Praise God. Let's stand. I want to just kind of lead you in a confession tonight. If you'd stand to your feet, we're going to just repeat something out together. And I want you to just say this out loud. I believe, I believe. Jesus, is Jesus is faithful and true to completely fulfill His purpose in my life. Thank you, Jesus, for the confidence I have in your finished work in me. In Jesus' name. And somebody shouted, it is firmly so. Can you say amen? Because he is faithful and true. God bless you. God love you. Uh, say hello to somebody on your way out tonight. Amen. Thank you for listening to the New Life Kingman podcast. We can't wait to see you next week.